Hey people, what's happening? Yeah, so the Create Me podcast is officially two years old. I'm going to do something a little different this week and have a little two-part special. So part one of the birthday special is going to be my conversations from the Look Again Festival. It features Craig Berman, Steve Smith and Ian Gross, John Walter, Morag Myerskoff and Carolina from Caro and Caro Taxi. It's really cool chats that I really enjoyed um, to have the opportunity to get, get involved with Look Again Festival. So it's kind of like a bit of a flavor i guess of you know what the creative podcast is about and it was a really kind of cool time to catch up with all these creatives so i hope you guys enjoy these little snippets of conversations that i recorded earlier this year in may and yeah i'll catch up with you at the end hello and welcome to the creative podcast this is going to be episode 61 of the podcast and, you know, like I said at the intro, this is going to be um, the first of a series of um, a few chats with um, um, the Look Again Festival. And today's guest is Craig Barrowman. Um, Craig, I was kind of looking at um, some of your work online, and I think you're kind of like, a more, would you describe yourself as a multifaceted kind of practitioner or artist? Yeah, I, it took a while for me to have the, the guts to do, but I eventually at some point started just seeing, seeing people, I'm an artist. Yeah, okay. So that just kind of covers everything that I do but, yeah but yeah I mean I work in all sorts of media uh, and yeah the words the word artist okay <laughs> cool and I think like um, this as I was saying to you just off mic that I didn't realise like you know all the kind of stuff that you've been involved in in Aberdeen and the kind of projects as well especially with Look Again Festival yeah and we're going to touch on that a bit I think and also the new project that you're involved in yeah with um, Look Again uh, mobile proposal I can't say that word <laughs> proposal machine yeah. so we'll definitely get into speaking to yeah. about that new project from the beginning this year but just for the listeners can you just give them a little bit of a background about yourself sure yeah well i uh, i grew up in a small town called stonehaven or it used to be a small town called stonehaven which is south of aberdeen it's not so small anymore mm-hmm. uh, and then i went to i went and studied i mean i don't really know what what to do at school yeah, okay did okay at school and then I had no idea what to do and then just as I was about to go into a boring sort of sixth year uh, just treading water I realised that you could go and study art okay. I didn't realise until someone mentioned it to me so I was like yeah it's the most enjoyable thing to do so uh, I went and did that at Aberdeen College back in the mid 90s okay it's a long time ago and then uh, after I failed sort of I failed started doing uh, a computer science degree which was just a bit of a kind of scared move, I think, because I you know, was like going into arts, not a very stable life choice. So I think I might cave then and went did that, but it was not for me. Yeah. So yeah, I ended up going to going into grade school of art mm-hmm. uh, the end of the nineties and studied sculpture there. Then uh, when I finished that, I just did some work. I think the first sort of art type thing I did was working as a, a gallery tech and receptionist at Peacock Visual Arts. Okay, so uh, they were very generous. I wasn't a very good receptionist, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, there was a, a great team there and, you know, I, I was really lucky to meet people who kind of mentored me. Yeah. Uh, and then pretty quickly I started getting into doing community art. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think uh, on the way down here today of if there was a key sort of moment. And I think it's the people that I met along okay. the way, which is often, I mean, that's how it goes in this, yeah. this side of things. And the it, there was an artist called Ava Mertz, I, who I met when I was quite young. She was doing work with Peacock and she had a, a project called a new social art school. Right. Uh, but actually completely changed how I thought, you know, being an artist could be. Okay. You know, so that the the standard model of making objects in your studio mm-hmm. and finding some way to distribute them into the world. Yeah. And, you know, sell them or whatever. That was the kind of standard model that I I had for it. But then I realised that art could be about getting people together. Yeah. And about almost short going straight to the communication part because art really when you boil it down is about communicating ideas to people yeah. whether it's music or visual art or writing or poetry all these, it's all about communicating and the discussion discussion yeah. of it. and that's kind of what I'm trying to do in a way and yeah. is that kind of kind of link into your new project as well for look again yeah oh definitely yeah. I'm going to probably say I don't have tongue tie mobile proposal machine yes that's so it. how did that project and that title come about well this it's kind of along the same lines, so the the city of public space uh, and proposal, the word, so mobile proposal machine, the proposal part of it comes from a previous project I did called 
proposals for Pilop. And uh, so that's spelled P L O P A S A L. But the idea is there's a a kind of a term, a pejorative term for a certain type of public art Mm -hmm. called plop art. So, you know, picture the the kind of corporate uh, piece of art which bears no kind of, there's no relevance to its surroundings. It just plops down. Yeah, it just gets plopped down. It's usually corporate, so it might be in the front of, like, say, an office building. Mm -hmm. And it's generally plop art is like a projection of power, corporate power or, you know, political power. I think an example of uh, plop art I just saw before coming here was Mm -hmm. the Andy Scott, the the leopard on the post Mm -hmm. in Marshall Square. So it's a, I mean, I like Andy Scott's work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's come to represent, though, this type of, Probably. So the leopard is relevant to Aberdeen, yeah. well, but it's it's the it's this kind of like it's almost a a kind of cultural violence in a way where you're you're putting this huge big sculpture and it's been paid for by public money, but yeah. there was never any kind of discussion with the public about yeah. you want this yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean there's we do have we've got people that we appoint as cultural sort of uh, arbiters who decide on these things. You know, there's panels and it was select. I'm sure it was all. Uh, you know, I've been on that side of the fence. Oh, okay. a lot of work. So yeah. it, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to have public art. I just think that that, to me, I classify that as public. So it's got a certain, a monumental kind of use. It, it's a, a representation of the power of the city council. It's mm-hmm. the leopard and it's looming down. <laughs> and I don't know whether that's intentional. To me, yeah. it might be just that the the kind of logistics of having a sculpture that size meant it had to be up in the air. So yeah. it wasn't good. And it's, it's very striking. But whenever I see it, it just makes me think this is like, the council, it's like the, the sort of king putting a big statue of himself, like, yeah, towering yeah. over everyone, remember who's boss, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, proposals was a kind of response to the part, and the okay. idea was that I would uh, make the, the there's a, a certain sort of visual language for public art proposals, so the idea that if you are commissioned to, or if, if you're answering a call for, for commissions for a public art piece, the first stage of it involves sending in a visualisation or an idea for what you want to do, mm-hmm. And then if you get shortlisted, you may develop that further and so on. Uh, so I quite like the idea of uh, the, the proposal itself, the yeah. image which shows a sculpture, you know, a mock-up of a sculpture in a public space. I really like that as a kind of piece of art in itself. Just the, so I made a series of posters, and this is when I was working uh, as a, a lecturer, an art lecturer down in Cumbernauld. Mm-hmm. So on my kind of breaks between classes and things. I was working on these little photoshopped up sort of mock-ups of things. And I would, yeah. But I would make them, well, it's almost like a, a visual trick where you have a photograph, you find a, the spot that you want to place the poster and you take your photograph of the, the site from that, that viewpoint. Okay. Superimpose your sculpture on top of that and then you make, print out a physical version of that mm-hmm. as a poster. Stick on, so you get this kind of like visual thing. And you can see that it's it's hard to describe it when you see it as a visual. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense straight away. Okay. It's like a a visual pun almost. So the idea was that I was as a as a citizen, mm-hmm. I was rebelling against the city of Plopper by proposing my own pieces of art in public right. places, and I wasn't asking for permission. Yeah. It was totally undemocratic, but it was my kind of little sort of like fight back against that kind okay, of cool. idea of that system. Yeah. So the project for look again mobile proposal machine the idea is that we're going to take that i'm going to take that process of proposing what to do with public space you know what what, what do i want i'm going to open that up to the public so i'm going to i've made a mobile proposal studio so we've made it's like a a tool for generating sculptural proposals okay uh, based on not it I, I want to try and run into people in the street and just stop them and just off the top of their head say right okay what do you want to see in that park over there? Okay. Or see that space between those two sets of stairs there? Mm-hmm. What do you think would look good there? And I'm going to have tools, so we'll have a sort of sculpture studio. Okay. This, this thing, and uh, people can construct items that we can then photograph and use the digital imaging to superimpose that. And then we'll leave behind us a trail of posters, yeah. which are like this low-tech virtual reality version of a, a sculpture park. Oh, okay. In a week. So I hope that that describes it yeah. succinctly. With all these things, the 
the description of it isn't as uh, as immediate as I've seen it, but the form it's going to take. Uh, so I was really interested. The, the theme of this year's Look Again Festival is new narratives, mm-hmm. and I really like the idea of new narrative. That, that's the way someone up that proposals project went. But yeah. I wanted to open that process up and for it to be a very quick kind of interactive thing that folk can come and have a go their own. Uh, but I wanted to make it relevant to Aberdeen and the idea of new narratives, an idea of like shaping your environment. Yeah. The fact that we as humans are, we're not unique in, you know, other animals do this, but we have a, <laughs> we're uniquely kind of powerful in the fact that we can construct an environment to sue us. And mm-hmm. it's a, but it's, it's a process that, that most people don't engage in, you know, other than maybe tending the garden like yeah. and so on. But there's something really exciting about making a change on a scale like that. And that's yeah. great for me being an artist and working in public is, uh, you, you get the opportunity to do that, even if it's just temporary. Hey guys, welcome back to Craving Podcast. This is episode 62, and it's the second part of the special chats with Look Again Festival um, artists. Um, today's guest is one familiar guest has been on before, Steve Smith. And his friend, Ian Gross. Hiya, yeah. I said it right, haven't I? You have. All right, Ian Gross, yeah. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank Welcome you. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you guys for coming on. And I guess, yeah, this year, you're both involved with Look Again Festival, and your project is based around the Abney Market, and it's called Trade in Faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. So how did this project um, kind of come about? Um, well, Steve and I know each other through our wives, basically, and I, you know, I, knew, I was familiar with Steve's work, and I was interested in writing about Aberdeen. Yeah, uh, it's different areas, and I approached Steve to see if he was interested in working with me, combining photography and text, and that's yeah. how it started. But then we both quickly got talking uh, we, about what areas we'd like to focus on. Both very quickly started talking about the market as an interesting space, and. It, it very very quickly just sort of focused in on the market yeah. uh, as a sole project, didn't it's it? Hard to remember. It it's hard to remember why... There's obvious reasons looking at it now, why the market would be worthy of a project. But I don't know why we so quickly honed in on that. Okay. Um, there was an awareness that, the, that ultimately the market was under threat in terms of being redeveloped, yeah. but nothing was finalised at that yeah. point. It was a long-term shadow hanging over it rather than being an imminent thing yeah and then as we've done the project that that has just become now a reality okay so this is probably like a year i guess in the making right? yeah we first we first spoke about it february march probably <laughs> february march and took it to the city council for uh, a proposal for funding to fund the research stage which we were successful with um and that, that got us up and running. Uh, it was difficult yeah. in terms of we both work outside of our, our profession, or sorry, outside of our art um, and creative writing. So it's been difficult and challenging to yeah. to go and, and get this project complete. To get it done, yeah. But we got the funding and that was great, which meant we could actually, well, we shot, I shot large format film, so there was particular technical challenges okay. and costs involved. And I guess the photography started first and then the, mm-hmm. the interviews mm-hmm. with each of the traders probably started about June. Yeah. June, July. It was a bit later, actually. I don't, I, I think you started in the summer, at the beginning, I can't remember. But um, yeah. I think I didn't, I, I didn't start properly until about September. Yeah, I started and I worked from September through to Christmas, basically, right. getting all the interviews done. Yeah. Um, but we had to get permission forms and everything first mm-hmm. and make sure people were happy to be involved and, and, they, and to be fair, they were quite sceptical, okay. uh, the traders. Uh, not all the traders uh, wished to be part of the project. Yeah. And, and even ones that later did, at the very beginning, they had suspicion of who we were. What we why, why, <laughs> why are they worthy of getting the photograph taken? Yeah. What's going to happen with that photograph? Why do we want to record them? What, you know, I think they already had a suspicion that there were secrets and lies regarding the development. Yeah. So as soon as someone like myself turns up with a folder and a pen and official looking paperwork mm-hmm. and to authorization forms. Be, distrust can I have? Yeah. yeah. So in some sense that's been some of the, the reward 
is actually building that trust over yes. a long period of time and building the friendships and yeah. relationships with the traders. That's, although a challenge at the very beginning, it's it's been fruitful um, on many different levels to and, and now to see it coming to fruition into uh, the exhibition and to be part of the, the festival. It's great, yeah. you know. And like Steve, you're obviously originally from Aberdeen. Yeah. And you, and Ian, you can, when did you move up to Aberdeen? Um, well, I came to here to study as a student, but uh, left and came back, and I've been here full-time since 2007. Okay, so, like, you both have different kind of rare experience. With different uh, outlook on it, yeah. yeah. Steve's very much got, you know, all these childhood memories mm-hmm. and associations with it, yeah. and I've come from it as an outsider, I guess, but... Um, just recognise that it was an interesting space, that it was a community, and uh, I just interested in people and yeah. hearing people's stories. So yeah. um, I just recognise that the place would be full of story, and yeah. especially with this uh, threat of redevelopment, I suppose, hanging yeah. over it, you know, mm-hmm. and a recognition, I guess, that there was a, you know, maybe a need to try and capture things before permanent change yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. And I guess for you Steve you've also seen a lot of drastic changes to the market when you was growing up um, you know what I I possibly never spent as much time as as could be you know as you could maybe imagine yeah. um, a lot of my peers did my wife got her ears pierced there for the first time um, I know people that went down in terms of the fashion and bought their white cardigans or their Fred Perry's or their <laughs> State Press or it was an independent record shop which there's, there's still an independent record shop in the market um, my mother I think I would have been very young worked here for a very brief period of time um, so I haven't got you know, I've got memories of the, the they say there is the stairwell that leads from the first floor down yeah. towards the green. Uh, there's a distinct smell within the market, um, the food stalls and the butchers. And so there's there's little triggers that are memories, but it's not a place that I frequented a lot. Yeah. Um, but I suppose since this has started and um, speaking to, to peers, friends, yeah. um, a lot of the people around me in my youth spent time there. Yeah. Um, in terms of it change, I suppose the bizarre thing is the market hasn't changed that no. much. Obviously, the, the interior decor hasn't changed. It's, you know, all of the businesses, or at least there's a lot of businesses in, in transit that come and go. That's why it's interesting as well. It's got this background decor that is from the, it, it feels like it's 30, 40 years old. Yeah. But, but it's a constantly evolving, changing space with new people going in, food's become more popular now. And uh, so it's all, it's almost got a sort of um, built-in poignancy to it, you know. That's amazing. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And one thing I want to touch on, like, so how did this project um, form that development stage with you guys kind of putting this together, doing the interviews, you know, you documenting the trader, Steve? How did that come about for you guys getting involved with this year's Look Again Festival? Through conversation with um, Sally, who's part of the team, uh, Vargy Yoon Look Again. Uh, I've known Sally through various things. I was asked to do a Petacucha talk at one of the creative talks. Yeah, that's that's so. right, of course, yeah. 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 The Bellman. Yeah. Um, so, and we, we've, I've known Sally for some time, but yeah. I, I sought advice from her, the guards. Um, decision making of how to present the work yeah. and I mean, we weren't sure exactly the, Steve developed the website which was like a digital archive yeah. we weren't sure you know what the the output of the material you know how would we use the material that we'd gathered okay so yeah through that conversation she'd actually mentioned the seed fund um, which is a fantastic opportunity for artists yeah. to put a proposal then go through a proposal stage an interview stage to seek funding. Um, so I put in a, a proposal on the back of kind of closing the, the city council funding. Um, we kind of did the full circle with that. We built the website for that. We did a talk in that regards. So when that circle closed, it was looking for more funding to then take it to final um, presentation mm-hmm. and exhibition. Um, so through contacts within the art world and the city, seeking advice, we 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 did that. Became aware of it, yeah. yeah and then Steve put in an application, put an application, and uh, pitched both uh, Hillary and Sally 
uh, part of the Lutheran team yeah. and was successful and, and delighted to be successful with it, which meant we could actually see it full. So, it's a good opportunity so. for, you know, the, the rest of the city to to get to know these people and yeah. become more aware of the market. <clears throat> so we're you know, really grateful to look again to the opportunity. Yeah. And Otherwise, it would just be a website and yeah. an archive. Yeah. So it's great to have the public impact. And welcome to the Creative Podcast. This is going to be episode 63, and it's part three of a series of chats with the Look Again Festival artists. So, yeah, um, today my guest is visual artist John Walter. Hi, John. How's it going? Hello. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you, first of all, for coming on and agreeing to do this. Um, it's a pleasure. Uh, podcast episode. Really appreciate it. But um, just for the listeners, if you could just give them a little bit of background about yourself, and then we'll kind yeah. of speak about this year's project for Look Again Festival. So, I'm a visual artist, and I make lots of different things, but it's all to do with painting ultimately it's to do with colour and how space is formed but it's very fun and poppy but it's full of other things yeah. and it's quite uh, maximal okay <laughs> nice and so how did you kind of get involved with Look Again Festival for this year. Mm. How did that come about? Well, I've been doing projects in Aberdeen since 2012. Okay. So Sally and I studied together oh, okay. at the Slade, and that's ultimately how we know each other. Yeah. And she, as the first project I did was when they were running a Smart Gallery oh, yeah. on Albine Terrace. And I did a project called the Oil Barons Club, right. which was a bar. It was a sort of hybrid of the oil industry here mm. with Dallas, the TV show. Okay. And I was... Was there a lot of shoulder pads involved? There was a lot of There was a lot of references to JR. Oh, yeah. And the bar right. in Dallas was called the Oil Barons right. Club. And at that point, the oil here was going through the roof. Yeah. And it seemed like a good way of sort of satirising the thing and also bringing a shot of hot colour to okay, Aberdeen. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've we've worked together here for quite, a, you know, ever since, every so often. So yeah. there was Play Park where we made this chess set and mini golf course on the green. There was Spool Base, which was this bar in a green um, a garden centre in West Hill. There was Lillian Mim, which was a department store. Yeah. There's a mural on McCombie Court, and now there's going to be the fourth wall. Yeah, the fourth wall, which is going to be um, in Marshall Quad. Yeah. Yeah, the Marshall College Quad. Yeah. And um, I think the listeners they can see, like, obviously a visual of that on the Look Again yeah. website. So how's that actually going, that project so far? Well, it, 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 uh, you'll find out. Yeah, right. I think it's all right. all right. It's taken a while to get to this point mm-hmm. um i had never been to marshall college before okay. i'd been here to the yeah. anatomy rooms but i didn't know that space yeah. for some reason it's funny how after all those years you're still finding bits yeah and probably for people that live in the city actually even for me being here like 15 years of store bits that i'm kind of discovering yeah about Aberdeen. and also i realized they've always invited me up in the winter so <laughs> this was a chance to come up when there was some light um <laughs> Well, so the fourth wall is, it was like, here's your space. What do you want to do with it? And it was like, oh, my God, yeah. what do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 granite on steroids, isn't it? <laughs> it's not just Aberdeen. It's like Aberdeen plus. Yeah. And I was, I was initially like, okay, we're going to clad the whole thing in scaffolding and we're going to make these mad paintings and we're going to disguise it. And then we were like, can't afford that. Yeah. So what what transpired is I've been wanting to work with VR for a while, mm-hmm. virtual reality, and this was my chance to do it. Right. So what happens is you'll go into a headset mm-hmm. and you'll be in a transformed Marshall College quad okay. and other places right. for about four and a half minutes. Okay. And other things will happen, but yeah. that's the gist of it. And you're going to get a lot of colour, okay. a lot of light. It's quite tropical. Yeah. It's not granite. All right. Um, and, yeah, it's it's there's a lot of technical issues to iron out, not just in terms of the making of it, mm-hmm. which for anybody that hasn't worked in VR before, you know, they're, they're working in a headset with a very high-powered PC with these sensors. It's not that complicated once you've got the kit. The kit is expensive, but yeah. the actual stuff... It's drawing. It comes down to the same old things, drawing and painting. 
then it's about how you export it. Mm. And this isn't a game. It doesn't have those interactive things. It's a 360 thing. Okay. And it it's an animation, really. Okay. And stuff happens around you. Yeah. And I guess there's probably some few surprises in this VR experience. A lot. Okay. A lot of weird things and some <laughs> singing. <laughs> but you know, it can't go wrong. I guess, like, you know... This this um, this will be on supposed to be on for a look again from the seventh of June until the was it sixteenth? Yeah, sixteenth. So it's two weekends. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know it's an idle time. I think you can always do some singing, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> we can always do Absolutely, that. we yeah. need some songs for Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be VR is hard to present mm-hmm. because it's so solipsistic yeah. and individualized mm-hmm. and uh, immersive. So what you know, what I've tried to do is play with that, and the person that's in the VR also becomes a performer oh, okay. for. Or everybody else oh absolutely and you see this a lot on these VR clips of someone yeah. you know kind of mad dashing or moving waving their arms about and yeah stuff. and you don't know what they're, they're doing, doing. Yeah. and yeah. you can't you know and when they're in it they forget that yeah. the world outside exists yeah. and I think it's a generational thing too mm-hmm. because well, I'm 40. Yeah. I'm probably old, relatively. People younger than me will be much more appreciative of these kind of technologies or yeah. willing to take them on. People older than me definitely won't be au fait with it. Mm-hmm. And also the sort of seasickness of it. Yeah. So that's something we've had to factor in right. is how much does it move? How much does it freak you out or yeah. not? It's very easy to just make people collapse. So I've had to rein that back a bit. Right. <laughs> so is there going to be like, do you have to have a think, oh, might have a little disclaimer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, health and safety, a yeah. go-go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're developing a sort of queuing system because also it's not like other projects I've done where you can have as many people doing it at mm-hmm. a time as, you know, you'll have five headsets on the go yeah. and there's a sort of stream of people that come through. Oh, okay. So you have chaperones oh. that sort of show you it. A bit like airport, or like, um, what do you call it, like trolley dollies on the yeah. airline. Yeah. So somebody helps you into the headset, helps you out, keeps the flow of people, but also as you're queuing, you're getting the health and safety. Because also for some people, like, um, you know, I don't know, there might be health conditions where yeah. you really shouldn't be in this. Yeah. Or for very young kids. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think you make your own choice. Yeah. Um, but it's not violent. It's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, going back to, I didn't realise that, you know, you've had quite a bit of experience of coming to Aberdeen since 2012. Mm. And what have you kind of, like, taken on notice, if if you have noticed anything different about Aberdeen, like, from 2012 to 2019? I've totally noticed. And it's funny talking to you before we went on record yeah. just about, um, well, about the anatomy rooms mm-hmm. and about uh, this sort of accumulation of things in the city yeah. that I think you're part of, mm-hmm. um, a thing that's been building over yeah. time that, you know, and I think... Smart and then look again is part of that. New art is yeah. part of that. You know, I knew John Reed early on. Yeah. And I think that more people have stuck around, mm-hmm. tendency towards yeah. things like this, where, and this is something that Sally and Claire have been pushing for, and something that I've been trying to encourage by. Mm-hmm involving people like Natalie Kerr or Amber Robertson, people in Lillian Mim, mm-hmm. and also bringing people in and out of Aberdeen. Yeah. So all I think what happens is you begin to retain people in the city, you get more spaces, you get more festivals, you know, it's a shame that the art gallery's closed, but as soon as that reopens, yeah. most of the time I've been coming up, the music hall's been closed. Oh, yeah. And suddenly that's that... Open. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And the bar, and... Mm-hmm. So I think that will all contribute to this bigger push. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we were just in Paisley yesterday and comparing, you know, they've got a slightly different problem because they're so close to Glasgow. But Aberdeen's got a lot to be proud of and to teach small cities about how you don't worry about what is going on elsewhere and you make it here. Mm -hmm. And it's about retention of people and a critical mass of people. You know, like you said, having a podcast having what what's missing yeah and what can we do and invent yeah. yeah absolutely and i think that's you know such a kind of key points that you're mentioning there i think that's 
that kind of slow push. It seems like to me a kind of slow push mm. in comparison. Obviously, you live in it London, is. yeah. And you know, I guess like we kind of speaking off mic, and you're saying like, oh, yeah. "Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening?" But yeah, I'm like, yeah, no. Like, yeah. there's also almost kind of like a lingering kind of feeling of frustration with me, and I think like, but like, and, and it's kind of good to see like you know from you coming up and visiting Aberdeen over the years. Like you said, "Oh no, I'm seeing." Like, oh no, there is change. definitely a change. Yeah, I think that I don't think it's any faster in London. There's just yeah. more of it. Yeah, so you yeah. get the illusion that it's mm-hmm. faster. It's just as hard. Yeah. Um, you know, space. Space is always expensive wherever you are. Um, Opportunities are hard to come by. Mm -hmm. But it's more about how do you find two or three people that you can work with Mm -hmm. regularly or that can be your audience. It's it's no more than that, really. Hello and welcome to the Creamy Podcast. Yes, I'm back again um, for another series of chats with artists participating in this year's Look Again Festival. And today my guest is artist Moreg Myerskoff. How's it going, Moreg? Hello. Good. Good to be here. Thank Good. you. Yeah, thanks for coming me. on. <laughs> <laughs> kind of going over each other's words. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for coming on the podcast and agreeing to come on and you know, speak about um, your project for this year's um, festival, which is called Love at First Sight. Um, you know, we're just kind of speaking off mic about, you know, your connection to Aberdeen, which we're going to kind of delve into a bit more. But to start off with, um, how did you kind of get involved with this year's Look Again Festival? I got an email from Sally and the Look Again team um, asking me if I would be interested in doing a project here. And they had seen my work and they'd seen my work for a long time. And then um, it was a very poignant time when they got in contact with me because um, my mother had died just before Christmas uh, last year and or the year before 2017. And, um, and it, and my mother had met my father in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. And so then there was this connection with Aberdeen and I'd never been to Aberdeen before yeah. or had that connection and it felt right. Yeah. And so all I just said, I spoke to them and there was this moment where we just felt this has got to happen this year. Yeah. And you said that, you know, your mum, your mum's from Scotland or from Aberdeen. She's not from oh, Aberdeen, okay. no, right. but she went to Glasgow School of Art and then a post came up to teach at Gray's School of Art. Mm-hmm. So she was head of, I think it was 1959 or something, okay. it was quite a while ago, yeah. and she was head of the textile um, and uh, embroidery department. Yeah, and how did, like, you know, your mum did actually me? So my dad was, um, is a viol- was a viola player and, and he was touring with the Royal Ballet in the orchestra and my mum was staying in a boarding house and my dad um, was also had a room and he saw my mum at the top of the stairs yeah. and decided she was the one for him okay. and then that's it and we I've got two sisters there's three of us <laughs> so there was uh, yeah they fell in love and um, and then got married like six months later okay and I guess back then that was really quite soon wouldn't it yeah, yeah I would say um, but I think you know because people were a little bit more restrained in those days yeah. maybe they got married quicker I don't know <laughs> Possibly, yeah, you know, yeah. We want to make this work, and we want, we don't want to be judged by a family. So yeah. let's just get on with it. Yeah, you know? let's get on with it. Um, so you know, the title for this piece, um, which is going to be, is at the Castle Gate, isn't it? Um, yeah, in Aberdeen, Market Cross. Yeah. yeah, and it's called Love at First Sight. Yeah, and I was kind of interested about why you chose that title specifically. Well, I felt it was an all-encompassing title that it. What I wanted to do is work with Look Again Festival and the community of Aberdeen to make a piece that belonged to them and, and had a connection to me. Mm-hmm. And um, the connection to me is my mum and dad, my mother being Scottish. And then the connection to the city was that it was at the Mercat Cross, which yeah. was about meeting and gathering and to to work on the project that people could be really involved with. There's many, many ways mm. of um, bringing people together and yeah. feeling like work belongs to them and and they're part of it and, and there's a value in it yeah. as well. And why do you think then, like, that you kind of gravitate towards creating larger kind of pieces of work or installations? Where do you think that comes from? Um, just... I don't really, just 
I think for many years I have worked on big architectural projects with architects more in um, sort of interpreting buildings and things. And particularly outside, you have to to make a statement, to make an impact. Scale is, is a big, you know, you have to make a scale. So at the moment at Castlegate, you know, hopefully... From Union Street, you yeah. will be able to see that piece yeah. from a really long way. We did a piece in Zocala Square in Mexico City, which is like the biggest square in the whole of Mexico. Yeah. And it was positioned just right at the end of the road that literally cuts through the whole of the city. Right. And you could see that piece glowing. Right. So I, I think it's really important to make impact and to make pieces of work that surprise people yeah. and and also to show that you as you don't need l- loads of people, loads of computers and loads of things and loads and loads of money. You can make quite a big statement by humans, make, you know, painting, yeah, yeah. sort of painting. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I think I just like big things. Yeah. <laughs> I like making big statements, really, to have impact. I want to have that impact but then at the same time i don't want i use scaffolding i use ply um because the scaffolding will go back to the scaffolder yeah and then the ply hopefully will be what what, you know the in majority of things i've done they're either given to schools to put on walls or um, and reuse yeah. so it's not thrown away yeah. and or and and then with ply if it has to be recycled it can be mm-hmm. recycled so I think it's important also that you're just not making these things to throw away you know that they have some life yeah. as well beyond yeah. um, I did a big piece in um, Cape Town okay. and there was this amazing group Seesaw Do who took all the panels and they um, there had been a library that had been burnt down and they they just took, I, I didn't mind what they did, yeah. they just cut them all out, they made tables out of them, they oh, made things, wow. and they just transformed this place yeah. and then they, in a township, they clad the outside of the sports ground with the kids and okay. the kids made all this stuff with it. So that, for me, is an amazing thing yeah. because it, it has another life and absolutely it's like a long lost legacy isn't yeah it, as well? and it, it moves yeah. it and then people also then take it and interpret it in their way yeah. as well yeah that's really cool and the kind of thing i want to kind of ask you like um you've been coming back and forth like that mm, again mm. kind of see through this piece of work as mm. well and how's it how's it coming along so far it's i'm I can't, I mean, the team of people here are just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it is phenomenal, I've got to say. Yeah. And I did do a huge task of um, a big ask for people to paint because I could only stay for three days, I think I came yeah. and we set the thing and then everybody's been paint, painting for 20 days. Yeah. And the team have been Unbelievable. I mean, it's the amount of people who have come and done the painting, and and I just so I really want to meet see everybody. I met lots and lots of people yeah. over those three days, but I want to thank everybody for being so enthusiastic and and making this thing happen. Yeah. And um, to yeah, amazing people. Awesome. Yeah, I think you know this is kind of. I think um, in Aberdeen, it's good to see that people are wanting to engage and support like a piece of work, you know, like this. Mm. Did you, when you first kind of started creating large pieces and say if you had to kind of go away, be on another job somewhere else, mm. do you have this kind of thing of this control thing of actually, were you checking up on Instagram, making sure everything's right, or do you go like, no, that's cool, they know what they're doing? I, I um, in the past, yeah. in the first few projects, I was um, really obsessed and, um, and, would do it all and a lot of projects I paint myself or depending on the budgets on the project then I get people in and I pay them and you know so um I it it all varies um but I then did a project in Sweden where I um I couldn't stay there for three weeks Mm -hmm. and I showed some two young guys who just graduated 
and a team of young people how to do it. Yeah. And then they um, would send me photographs. Yeah. And But what I thought was interesting as well, instead of me being there all the time, overseeing it, it was actually really good because it is a really big um, thing to get your head around. It's like a massive jigsaw and yeah. I will supply all the drawings and everything, but somebody has to control it and then you have to keep the pace up. Yeah. And, and these guys from Sweden said that it was so good for them because they had never, they didn't, they wouldn't, if I hadn't shown them how I wanted the uh, painting to be like that, probably yeah. wouldn't have done it quite like that. Yeah. They would have cut some corners. <laughs> and also they then learned how to organise a team of people okay. and, and, and keep the momentum yeah. up, you know. So after that, I thought actually that is good and mm. it's it's good for people to feel like they're responsible yeah. it's their thing mm -hmm. you know they they're, they're going to make this happen yeah, and yeah. and so and have ownership over it Absolutely. so now I don't know I mean and here everybody was you know Joe Gann and Susan Ross and you know Sally and the whole team they they're so um, amazing they're so great anyway, and they're yeah. doing the art school. I mean, I couldn't have asked for more perfect. Yeah. And the work is absolutely unbelievably brilliant. Everybody's painted it so beautifully. I can't wait to get those panels up. Hello and welcome to the Create Me podcast. Yeah, I'm back again for a series of chats with artists participating in this year's Look Again Festival. And today my guest is Lotto. How are you Hello. doing? Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast, Lotto, and, you know, speak about, you know, your own practice and also your project for this year's Look Again Festival. And I'm going to get a bit of a tongue tie. It's called Caro and Caro. Exactly. Cool. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So um, the sounds a bit different today for the listeners, and we'll kind of get into that, and we'll speak about where we where we actually are at the moment. But yeah, um, also if you want to kind of give our listeners a little bit of a background about yourself and how you came to be kind of studying in Aberdeen. So how it happened? Uh, hmm. um, yeah. So I came here with family in 2012 uh, with a broken heart after studying uh, history of art. Mm. So I came with this intention to study art this time, proper art. Um, yeah. So that's how I started a course at Grace School of Art, Contemporary Art Practice in 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I graduated last year and that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Doing art. So, um, your like participation in this year's festival, how did that project come about? So it came up from um, the chat I had uh, ages, ages, ages ago with mm. uh, John Blackwood, yeah. who is um, a fan of uh, Balkan art, as we all know. Mm. And he was telling me about some uh, projects by other artists. It was by Opa um, and some other artists as well. Um, which who used cars for okay. their projects. Mm. Uh, and he just threw a sentence, oh, it would be very nice to have something like this in Aberdeen. Yeah. So I was like, I love cars. So mm -hmm. I was like, John, just say no more. And that's how it, uh, how it started. Okay. Then we had a lot of chats about, um, about w what car to use mm -hmm. and what, uh, how to tackle it. And then uh, this brief um, new narratives uh, came up. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was just like, uh, it makes perfect sense for me. We've got Brexit, we've got, um, I am Polish, you know, it has to yeah. be Polish car. <laughs> and then the choice, you know, was made kind of um, intuitively. So I knew yeah. it uh, must have been Caro. Yeah. Uh, also because it's, um, for now, the cheapest version of Polonis, which also okay. is important. But, you know, that's um, my association, the nostalgic association with my childhood. And mm. that's what this project is mainly about. So it's definitely a vehicle of nostalgia then. Definitely, know, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and for like people from Poland, I guess like in Aberdeen has a kind of really cool like um, Polish community as well. Yes, yes. So with the car, how is this piece or the car going to be work as a visual piece for Look Again then? What's going to be the interactive elements of the car for the festival? So first of all, the first uh, goal of this project was to attract a Polish community because yeah. uh, as we all know, we've got uh, quite difficult times of transformation, by the way, as mm -hmm. well. So the same, you know, there's this, the same connecting background 
Yeah. Um, here and there, you know, the, for the car and for us as well, we are taking part in some changes, like very major changes. So um, obviously, because of this whole politics and, and yeah. whole discourse, mm -hmm. uh, I find that Polish community is kind of there is some sort of embarrassment and shame, mm -hmm. uh, which we all share, you know, and that's because of. Um, Uh, you know, being recognized by accents, you know, it's okay. uh, and some sort of like, I won't yeah. say, you know, unpleasant situations, let's say. Yeah. And uh, there was this uh, discourse about EU migrants and Polish immigrants, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was the first goal mm -hmm. um, to attract them, to yeah. make them um, gather together, you know, mm -hmm. to be, to come and participate and engage with the broader community yeah. as well. And also I wanted to, to bring a little joy yeah. to their faces because like it's, uh, I think it's much, much needed uh, yeah. now. Absolutely. I think as well, the kind of, I think, you know, what you kind of touched on there, the kind of political climate yes, <laughs> yes. of like the mess that is Brexit yes, as well. Yes, yes, yeah. You know, and I think like the UK has always been a country that's always thrived on immigration. Um, my family came from the Windrush area, from the Caribbean. So we're very much, you know, been exported and you know, been you know, exposed to the, you know, the negative side of some people's perceptions of what, like, an immigrant is and stuff. And But I guess, like, the UK has been a country that's always had immigration for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think people always kind of forget that as Yes, well. yes. Yeah. And I feel that uh, when Polish people started to come here, and mm -hmm. there was a point, even when I was in uh, here for the first time in uh, 2012, yeah. it wasn't as... Um, but I would say we were still, um, you know, causing some sort of um, curiosity. You know, yeah, people were yeah. uh, asking, "Where are you from?" You know, mm -hmm. and asking questions about the country and all the uh, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. But there was a point, like I don't know when it happened exactly. Uh, probably just before the referendum, when it's yeah. just uh, yes, yeah. yes, and it started to be rather um, unpleasant, mm -hmm. and people started to be more uh, cautious. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, And of course, you know, those unpleasant situations uh, in Scotland doesn't, you know, don't happen often, yeah. but they do happen. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, I would like to, like, my goal was to bring everyone together yes, okay. at this uh, festival. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm looking around the car and I'm seeing, I see the picture of the Pope down there. This is Mary, yeah. Yes, yes, that's there. Polish. Polish yeah. And mm -hmm. I guess, like, Catholicism was quite important in Poland as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes, it still is. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, although there were some scandals, you know, also involving yeah. the Pope, but yeah. let's just not uh, talk about this, maybe. Yeah. Yes, it's very important. Yes. And I think I didn't even use it just for this religious mm -hmm. um, imaginary that is, it would be something particularly important for myself. But mm -hmm. I think for our like visual identity, yeah. that's something very important. Mm -hmm. All this uh, religious imaginary it used to be everywhere. You know, they are cards uh, from... We have some Catholic traditions, for example, yeah. like after uh, Christmas, uh, or oh, is it after Christmas? Yes, after Christmas, mm -hmm. the priests uh, go to visit uh, people's houses okay. and leave those cards. Hey. And hey. I have memory of these cards just kicking about everywhere. Yeah. And uh, yes, people having them in wallets, uh, also in the cars as well, to oh, protect okay. them from uh, car accidents yeah. and uh, any like unfortunate events. So I guess in like when a person walks into this car, I guess if they're from Aberdeen or they're from Poland, especially from Poland, they're going to be like, oh, wow, you know, it's going to, yes. there's a massive, like a massive connection there, you know? Oh, definitely. And especially, yeah. you know, if you live in a different place for such a long time and yeah. you get used to this visual, um, visual landscape, yes, mm -hmm. of the place, mm -hmm. uh, which it doesn't, it, it isn't even, you know, the, the thing of, aesthetics only mm -hmm. but uh, you know what sort of objects do you have yeah yes for example it was very when you're talking about the cars mm -hmm. it's always very interesting for me to travel to poland and see old cars yeah. you know like because you can't see them uh, here like um, cars w that are you know obviously used and old cars and somebody yeah. was saving uh, you know hardly earned money you know to get this mm -hmm. car and it's um yeah so the That's what I'm interested in as well. You know, this visual culture, yeah. um, which has some like social meanings as well. I'm guessing I see on the back of the headdress that we're on. There's some like places to put like some like um, 
like tablets screens, or some screens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what's that going to be about then with screens in the back in the back of the seats? So yeah, I made a short documentary when I was back in Poland um, with a Polish blogger um, Zwomnik, and he's absolutely he's uh, um, he's absolutely crazy about. You, he calls it unique cars, okay. yes, but um, well, junk cars. Oh. Let's call it this way. Um, yes, and we just um, I met him just outside the, the fabrika samochodów osobowych, so the manufacturer of this yeah. car, mm-hmm. um, and we had a little chat uh, with him. I also invited a sociologist from University of Warsaw to take part in the project okay. as well, um, and I've got a footage. Uh, uh, showing my friend um, who saw the the car uh, for the first time in a few years. Yeah. Yes, so yes, so that's what's going to be displayed here. Okay. Of course, there's going to be a lovely, sexy voiceover done by my hu- by my husband. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, <laughs> his accent is even worse than mine. So that's for English speaking uh, um, audience, and yeah. then there's going to be some collage from original uh, Polonese um, TV adverts, okay. um, and of course some footage from this uh, process of getting the car yeah. here. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed part one of the birthday special um, featuring Craig Barman, Steve Smith, Ian Gross, John Walter, Morag Myerskoff and Carolina from Caro and Caro Taxi. Uh, all great chats that I really thoroughly enjoyed, man. And I hope you guys, you know, I guess if you've listened to them before, you know, even, even when shortened, condensed versions of these conversations, I hope you enjoyed them. I'm probably not that good for being, um, bigging myself up on here, but um, after two years of this kind of recording, these conversations with creatives in Aberdeen it's been truly a really kind of special experience that I'm really kind of proud of and actually actually saying that out loud is actually kind of re and reaffirming that to myself that yeah there is an achievement there when you create something and can own something for yourself so yeah I hope you guys enjoyed um, those little snippets of conversations and part two um, of the birthday special is coming out um, this Thursday the 14th of November and that kind of features Mark Woods Gemma Hare Gid Gams, Frida Strachan and Jay Christie again all great people all really interesting conversations really glad to have them on as well so yeah I'll catch up with you guys on part 2 this Thursday alright see you soon